Welcome to the Archives of Legend and Lore. I am the Chaotic GM, and every week I will bring a monster, humanoid, aberration, or some other being to the gaming table, and put it in the spotlight, so to say. We'll discuss some of the lore, the differences in additions, and possible ways to use them in your one-shot or campaign. For the month of October, we shall look into the various monsters associated with movies and horror tales. I am also releasing a module for Halloween titled Pagoria's Plight. It will be pay what you want, or even free for your enjoyment at the DM's Guild or Drive-Thru RPG. For the first installment of our October Chaos, we will howl at the moon and look at some canines. No, no, don't pet them. They aren't friendly at all. Let's kick off the fun with story time. This week, I'll tell you a story called The Hunter's Mark. I hope you enjoy. It was getting dark, and he hadn't had much luck hunting. Veyron could hear a stream ahead, and so he thought he might get some luck following it. Everything had a drink, right? The moon rose in the sky, a full moon. It was almost as bright as day out. Most people would say, not a good hunting night. He knew it would be a great hunting night. He could see perfectly and move silent. The woods seemed oddly quiet. No owls, no scurrying, nothing at all. His footsteps seemed loud, warning everything of his approach, he thought. Veyron bent to one knee to cup a drink of water. It was so clear, cold, and refreshing. A twig snapped a little ways in front of him. Without raising his head, his eyes came up and he saw a great wolf. The pelt was exquisite, and the size of it. He could definitely make many items from it. Market day would be good if his arrow flew true. As silent as the night, he knocked an arrow and took aim. The handmade arrow, straight and true, flew from the bow. The owlbear feathers he used kept it spiraling perfectly and right on target. The wolf never knew it was coming until it pierced its flesh and kept going until it rested in the heart. Varen smiled until the wolf turned its head and looked at him. Instinctively, he knocked another arrow and readied the bow, but as fast as lightning, the wolf turned and ran. Did his arrow glance off a bone? He was a master of his art and Varen was sure he hit perfectly. Maybe the beast was dead and just didn't know it yet. That happened a lot of times. He'd sit for a minute to make sure it didn't come back around. Then he'd make a quick camp and trail it in the morning. He hoped it wouldn't be far. The shot was good and he could see blood on the ground. He didn't really sleep. He just laid and listened. As soon as the sun broke through the trees, he was up and tracking. The blood was still where he saw it the night before and there was a lot of it. He still couldn't fathom how the beast ever ran away. His shot was true. He chewed on some dried meat and started to follow the trail. The blood was easy to see and easy to follow. Every time it went around a tree or through a bush, he was sure it would be dead on the other side. Veyron looked up and around. Nothing looked like the woods he'd been hunting his whole life in. Odd that this much of the woods was still new to him. That was when he started smelling wood smoke and cooking meat. He still kept an eye on the blood trail, but also watched ahead. No telling what might be making a camp here in the woods. The blood led to a rock face and skirted along it, still plodding ahead. The stones were packed down. Someone or something had used this trail for quite some time. The path wound around a corner and into an iron gate. The blood followed it to the door and stopped there. The smell of smoke and food was definitely coming from inside. Veyron veered off into the trees a little more and came around so he would be facing the front of the gate. Just inside the closed door, a young woman was sitting in a chair. The girl was asleep and blissfully unaware, he thought. 
She was human though, so still a possibility she was a bandit or worse, a group of marauders. Her clothes said otherwise. She was dressed in buckskin and animal furs. Simple wrapping for a simple folk, he thought. Against his better judgment, he walked up to the gate. <coughs> Excuse me, miss. I am but a simple hunter and have tracked my quarry to your doorstep. Might I inquire as if you've seen it? The girl jumped up, almost falling out of the chair. She looks around frightened and bewildered. She holds up a finger and disappears in the corridor leading away from the door. Loud voices can be heard, but in a tongue he wasn't familiar with. He hears footsteps coming down towards him, walking on crushed stones? A cave, maybe? A gigantic man moves in front of the doorway. His smile is as huge as his girth. Hello, my friend. My name is Lucan. You scared the words right out of mist, my daughter. What brings you out so far into the wilds? Lucan, well met. I am Veyron, a simple hunter trying to provide for his family. I was on a hunt last night and took a shot at a wolf along the stream. I tracked him here to your very doorstep and was just inquiring as if anybody had seen the beast. The smile fades from Lucan's face. I am truly sorry, my friend. We too are simple people and found that wolf on our doorstep this morning. Not wanting to waste, we took it inside and butchered it for our own. Lucan reaches behind the chair and pulls out an arrow. This would be your arrow then, exquisitely made, I might add. I am sorry, a magnificent beast it was, and I should give you thanks. Lucan hands the arrow out between the bars, and in his palm are three gold pieces. That should cover what you could have made from it, and put meat on your plates. Not to be inhospitable, but I have much to do. So if this pleases you, I suggest we part ways, the smile returning to his face. Varen takes the golden arrow. This is more than generous, my friend. Thank you, and please enjoy the yields. Varun turns and heads into the woods, making sure not to follow any path, and disappears, and after being positive he wasn't followed or watched, he heads a different route back. He comes to the edge of the woods by the rock face and looks towards the gate. Inside, sitting where the girl was, is a middle-aged man, wearing the same style of clothes as the girl had. Varun followed the rock wall back until he found a place he could climb up. The going wasn't easy, but not treacherous either. A couple of times, Rock slipped out from under his foot and tumbled below. He would hold still, but never seen anyone investigating, so he would continue on. Finally, reaching the top, he lay still for a while, letting his arms rest and work out some of the muscle tightness. Looking around, as he lay there among the rocks, the area was barren of vegetation and was solely made up of granite. Further inward, steam rose from a hole in the rocks. It was water vapor, but he could smell the wood smoke and meat along with it. Slowly and silently, Varen made his way to the opening. Very careful not to send loose gravel or stones down, he peered over the edge. Directly below the opening was a pool of water, bubbling and steamy, probably heated by magma from deep within the mountain. Around the edges of the water, tents made from animal hides and leather surrounded it. It looked like a semi-permanent encampment for a dozen or so people. He looked for fresh hide he looked for the fresh hide of the wolf. It should be stretched and hung to dry by now. It was nowhere to be seen. The girl he saw earlier was eating some stew, sitting with a few others. It looked like the bunch were a few families, as the tents and structures were set up in that fashion. Lucan came out from a tent in the middle of the area with several bloody rags. Possible the tent was a central butchering and processing area. He could hear a little of what was being said as Lucan approached another man. By tomorrow he should be fine, Good shot. Pierced his heart. 
No, he didn't doubt anything. Seemed like a good man. Vengeance is not our trade. You will be excommunicated. That was all he could make out. The other man stomped off, leaving Lucan standing and staring towards him. A very large man, so large he made Lucan look normal, emerged from the tent. Gregor, you stop now, he exclaims, grasping his side as he does. The young man stops in his tracks, and chills run up Baron's spine. The large man has no shirt, but is bandaged up, and had already bled through the bandages. You will face me when I speak to you, the large man sternly states. The young man turns, head still down. Yes, father. The large man catches his breath, a labored, difficult breath. Does the bear hunt us down when we take its family for meat? Does the deer hunt us down? Do squirrels overrun us? No, we take what we need to survive. We take the flesh for meat and the skins for clothes and shelter. This man was no different than us. He saw me as sustenance, not a trophy, not to kill me out of hatred or fear. He had as much right to do so as we do. What if you catch him, huh? He goes missing, then's noticed, then they search the woods for him and find us. Then come the questions and accusations. We have a good life here and you will not ruin it. He got pay for food and clothing for his family. I am sure he will leave us be and let us to our peace. With the last words spoken, the large man looked up directly at Varun and nodded. Realization came, and with almost no hesitation, Varun nodded back. It is settled then. You will not go out and hunt him, now or ever. If you do, for the protection of the pack, I shall hunt you down, my son. Please, do not force my hand. The young man nods, beaten, and heads to a tent. The large man almost collapses, and would have if Lucan hadn't rushed to support him. He was led back into the large tent, and it was the last time Varun ever saw him. He made his way down the rock face and headed for home. He would stop at the market and buy some fresh meat and vegetables. He made sure to pay attention on his walk back. This was a part of the woods he would never venture to again. I must first apologize. My voice isn't what it normally is, as I have a cold... Um, just from the season, not anything else. But let's kick off our tome knowledge this time with Pathfinder. Bloodlust, hunger, and predatory instincts befall the person cursed with lycanthropy, at least of the werewolf kind. These shape-shifting creatures are the result of an ancient curse that they can transmit through their own bites. They come in two types, those afflicted with the curse and those born with it, or true were-creatures. A true were-creature is always a were-creature, and retains the same memories in all forms. A true were-creature also has full control over its shape-changing, except during the full moon, when the transformation is irresistible. There is no no way to break the curse on a true were-creature. Afflicted werewolves receive the curse from the bite of another werewolf. An afflicted were-creature may be unaware of its curse because it retains no memories of its transformations, gets no benefit from being a were-creature when not transformed, and has no conscious control over its transformation. An afflicted were-creature's curse can be removed like any other. Although most werewolves hide their curse by living solitary lifestyles, some retain the pack mentality of true wolves. A small group of such werewolves typically forms a pack, with the eldest or most powerful serving as the leader. In 5th edition Monster Manual, they state that a werewolf is a savage predator. In its humanoid form, a werewolf has heightened senses, a fiery temper, and a tendency to eat rare meat. Its wolf form is a fearsome predator, but its hybrid form is more terrifying by far, 
a furred and well-muscled humanoid body topped by a wolf's head. A werewolf can wield weapons in hybrid form, though it prefers to tear foes apart with its powerful claws and teeth. Most werewolves flee civilized lands not long after becoming cursed. In the wild, werewolves form packs that also include wolves and direwolves. A humanoid creature can be afflicted with the curse of lycanthropy after being wounded by a lycanthrope or if one or both of its parents are lycanthropes. A remove curse spell can remove the curse if afflicted, but a natural born lycanthrope can be freed of the curse only with a wish. A lycanthrope can either resist its curse or embrace it. By resisting the curse, a lycanthrope retains its normal alignment and personality while in humanoid form. It lives its life as it always has, burying deep the bestial urges raging inside it. However, when the full moon rises, the curse becomes too strong to resist, transforming the individual into its beast form or into a horrible hybrid form that combines animal and humanoid traits. When the moon wanes, the beast within can be controlled once again. Especially if the cursed creature is unaware of its condition, it might not remember the events of its transformation, though those memories often haunt a lycanthrope as bloody dreams. Some individuals see little point in fighting the curse and accept what they are. With time and experience, they learn to master their shape-changing ability and can assume beast form or hybrid form at will. Most lycanthropes that embrace their bestial natures succumb to bloodlust, becoming evil, opportunistic creatures that prey on the weak. Werewolves are the most feared of the lycanthropes, men who can transform into wolf-like beasts, according to the second edition. They should not be confused with wolf wares or wolves who turn into men. The human forms of werewolves have no distinguishing traits. The werewolf form is equally varied. This form is about one foot taller and stronger than their human forms. The bodies are covered with fur and have short tails, wolf-like legs, and heads their combinations in varying degrees of human and lupine features. A second form of hybrid is more wolf-like and may be mistaken for a large wolf when it runs on all fours. This hybrid can also walk erect and has human-like hands. Another type looks exactly like a large wolf about the size of a bear. This creature has no human features, although the eyes may glow red in the dark. This week's sponsor is Throm's Blacksmith and Pizza Shop. You come in for a slice two different ways. Enjoy a slice of pizza while you browse his selection of blades. Customers agree, the extra carbon from the ovens makes the pizza taste great. This week's special is a polearm and pizza for 10 gold. That's like giving it away. You also get a free pie with every two-hand sword purchase. So whether you want to kill that big bad guy or your hunger, stop by Throms. Well, I'm not going to go into much description on combat this time. You've seen a werewolf movie, right? Claw, claw, bite. That's pretty much the same. That's the name of the game here. They do get some stat bonuses and immunities, except to silver, just like the movies. Alright, let's howl at the moon, scratch that itch, and gnaw on some ideas together. It's time for the Chaos Creative Corner. Scenario 1. The party comes into a city, just passing through of course, and in the town center is a man hanging in a shiny cage. He is just skin and bones, covered in filth and dehydrated. As they get near, he softly begs them for help. He is innocent and being wrongfully held prisoner. At least that's what he says. If the party looks at the cage, they will see he is made of pure silver and has barbs facing inwards. The man has wounds all over his body, apparently caused by the barbs. If your party stops, um, trust me, not all would. That's why I'm putting uh, that stipulation in here. 
He tells them he just asked that they talk to his wife. He lives on the outskirts of town, or at least used to. If they go to his homestead, they'll find the place is ransacked and empty. A cellar door in the middle of the kitchen stands open. Down in the cellar is a huge iron door leading to an iron box. The walls of the box and the door are scratched and dented on the inside. Bits of hair and blood are stuck in spots. A voice from behind them says, Horrible what one's own brother can do, huh? The voice belongs to the man from the square's brother. He introduces himself and freely gives information. His brother is a monster, a werewolf to be more specific. He found out quite some time ago his brother's wife would lock him down in the holding pen during the full moon and wait until morning to release him. It all seemed good until the neighbor's little girl was attacked and shredded by some creature. I knew right away it was him, he says. So I informed the constable, and they arrested and sentenced him, all on the same day. They plan to leave him hang until he dies. If he can, that is. I believe he has been there almost three months now. If they inquire about his wife, she moved in with the other brother. The farm was too much to handle, of course, on her own, and, well, they're just sharing the residence now. Um, sure. I'll let you fill in the blanks. But the brother that isn't hanging in the cage, you might have guessed it, he's a werewolf too. He says brother up to get the wife. You can play it off as she's innocent or more devious. When she locked him up, she ran to the other brother for the night of her uh, brown chicken brown cow. Okay, well, the rest is up to you. It's in your head now. The second scenario. The farms around a city are being ravaged by a monster. Livestock and people have disappeared. Half-eaten corpses or just a few limbs are all that's left. The local priest was even attacked. They have called out for the help of any and all able-bodied adventurers. There is a hefty reward available for any that kill the beast and bring its head to the local authorities. The priest can be questioned, and he will show them the claw marks that stretch across his torso. He lets them know when he was attacked, he tumbled down a hill into the marsh area and believes that the thing couldn't find him to finish the job. More investigation leads to them finding it to be some canine. Witnesses even think it looked like a giant wolf. It seems to be attacking the same radius around the city about every three nights. Tonight, as chance may have it, is the night it should attack again. Sure enough, if they wait along the main road, a figure skulks out from the city and heads out towards the farms. You might add a little bit of more hoops for them to jump through, if you like, but once they get to the figure, it tosses the cloak and it's a werewolf. I know, you never would have guessed it. If they manage to kill it, it reverts to its human form of the... Wait for it... Priest! He injured himself so no one would ever suspect him. In his dying words, he states, And I would have got away with it too if it hadn't been for you kids and a pup named... Oh, er, never mind. Scenario 3. Let's give this one a name. We shall call it The Running of the Wolves. The adventurers come to a town, and people are hurriedly moving to and fro. They are boarding up windows, putting iron bars across doors. Some are sprinkling some herbs around their house, while others are rubbing oil on the doorways and windows. When they are questioned, they are informed tomorrow night is the running of the wolves. Once, every ten years, a pack of around 30 werewolves run through the area. Any caught unprepared will be ripped limb from limb. Does the party try to run? Maybe escape this odd event? Do they stay and set traps to fight them? Do they try and hold up somewhere local? Every choice they make can have different challenges and different outcomes. You'll have to roll with it. Well, I'm almost out of silver bullets. And my bag of wolfsbane is, well, empty. I hope you enjoyed our little foray into the chaos sphere. If you did, think about giving me a review on your podcast, Deliverer of Choice. 
If you're watching the video version of this, please like, and if you haven't already, why not subscribe? I hope to have you over to my brain space again next week. And remember, if you are truly chaotic, your players will never know what you'll throw at them next.